0: Chapter Twenty Two of Pollyanna by Eleanor H. Porter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by the Story Girl. Chapter Twenty Two Sermons and Wood Boxes. On the afternoon that Pollyanna told John Pendleton of Jimmy Bean, the Reverend Paul Ford climbed the hill and entered the Pendleton woods. "'hoping that the hushed beauty of God's out-of-doors "'would still the tumult that his children of men had wrought. "'The Reverend Paul Ford was sick at heart. "'Month by month, for a year past, "'conditions in the parish under him had been growing worse and worse, "'until it seemed that now, turn which way he would, He encountered only wrangling, backbiting, scandal, and jealousy. He had argued, pleaded, rebuked, and ignored by turns. And always and through all he had prayed, earnestly, hopefully. But today, miserably, he was forced to own that matters were no better, but rather worse. Two of his deacons were at sword's points over a silly something that only endless brooding had made of any account. Three of his most energetic women workers had withdrawn from the Ladies' Aid Society because a tiny spark of gossip had been fanned by wagging tongues into a devouring flame of scandal. The choir had split over the amount of solo work given to a fanciedly preferred singer. Even the Christian Endeavor Society was in a ferment of unrest owing to open criticism of two of its officers. As to the Sunday School, it had been the resignation of its superintendent and two of its teachers that had been the last straw, and that had sent the harassed minister to the quiet woods for prayer and meditation. Under the green arch of the trees, the Reverend Paul Ford "'Faced the thing squarely. "'To his mind the crisis had come. "'Something must be done, and done at once. "'The entire work of the church was at a standstill. "'The Sunday services, the weekday prayer meeting, "'the missionary teas, even the suppers and socials "'were becoming less and less well-attended. "'True, a few conscientious workers were still left, but they pulled at cross purposes, usually, and always they showed themselves to be acutely aware of the critical eyes all about them, and of the tongues that had nothing to do but to talk about what the eyes saw. And because of all this, the Reverend Paul Ford understood very well that he, God's minister, the church, the town, and even Christianity itself, was suffering. And must suffer still more unless. Clearly, something must be done, and done at once. But what? Slowly, the minister took from his pocket the notes he had made for his next Sunday sermon. Frowningly, he looked at them. His mouth settled into stern lines as aloud, very impressively. He read the verses on which he had determined to speak.
1: But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretence, make long prayer. Therefore, ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cummin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye, these ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone it was a bitter denunciation in the green aisles of the woods the
0: minister's deep voice rang out with scathing effect even the birds and squirrels seemed hushed into awed silence it brought to the minister a vivid realization of how those words would sound the next sunday when he should utter them before his people in the sacred hush of the church. His people. They were his people. Could he do it? Dare he do it? Dare he not do it? It was a fearful denunciation, even without the words that would follow, his own words. He had prayed and prayed, He had pleaded earnestly for help, for guidance. He longed, oh, how earnestly he longed, to take now, in this crisis, the right step. But was this the right step? Slowly the minister folded the papers and thrust them back into his pocket. Then, with a sigh that was almost a moan, he flung himself down at the foot of a tree and covered his face with his hands. It was there that Pollyanna, on her way home from the Pendleton house, found him. With a little cry, she ran forward. Oh, oh, Mr. Ford, you you haven't broken your leg or, or anything, have you? She gasped. The minister dropped his hands and looked up quickly.
1: He tried to smile. No, dear. No, indeed. I'm just... resting.
0: Oh, sighed Pollyanna, falling back a little. That's all right, then. You see, Mr. Pendleton had broken his leg when I found him, but he was lying down, though, and you were sitting up.
1: Yes, I am sitting up, and I haven't broken anything. The doctors commend.
0: The last words were very low, but Pollyanna heard them. A swift change crossed her face. Her eyes glowed with tender sympathy. I know what you mean. Something plagues you. Father used to feel like that, lots of times. I reckon ministers do, most generally. You see, there's such a lot depends on em somehow. The Reverend Paul Ford turned a little wonderingly. Was your father a
1: minister, Pollyanna?
0: Yes, sir. Didn't you know? I supposed everybody knew that. He married Aunt Polly's sister, and she was my mother.
1: Oh, I understand. But you see, uh, I haven't been here many years so I don't know all the family histories.
0: Yes, sir. I mean, no, sir, smiled Pollyanna. There was a long pause. The minister, still sitting at the foot of the tree, appeared to have forgotten Pollyanna's presence. He had pulled some papers from his pocket and unfolded them, but he was not looking at them. was gazing instead at a leaf on the ground a little distance away and it was not even a pretty leaf it was brown and dead pollyanna looking at him felt vaguely sorry for him it it's a nice day she began hopefully for a moment there was no answer then the minister looked up with a
1: start What? Oh, yes, it it is a very nice day.
0: And tisn't cold at all, either, even if tis October, observed Pollyanna, still more hopefully. Mr. Pendleton had a fire, but he said he didn't need it. It was just to look at. I like to look at fires, don't you? There was no reply this time though Pollyanna waited patiently before she tried again, by a new route. Do you like being a minister?
1: The Reverend Paul Ford looked up now very quickly. Do I like... Why, what an odd question. Why do you ask that, my dear?
0: Nothing, only the way you looked. It made me think of my father... He used to look like that, sometimes. Did he? The minister's voice was polite, but his eyes had gone back to the dried leaf on the ground. Yes, and I used to ask him, just as I did you, if he was glad he was a minister. The man under the tree smiled a little sadly. Well, what did he say? "'Oh, he always said he was, of course. "'But most always he said, too, "'that he wouldn't stay a minister a minute "'if t'wasn't for the rejoicing texts.' "'The what?' "'The Reverend Paul Ford's eyes left the leaf "'and gazed wonderingly into Pollyanna's merry little face. "'Well, that's what Father used to call him,' she laughed. Of course, the Bible didn't name them that, but it's all those that begin, Be glad in the Lord, or rejoice greatly, or shout for joy, and all that, you know. Such a lot of them. Once, when Father felt specially bad, he counted them. There were 800 of them. 800? Yes, that told you to rejoice and be glad, you know. "'That's why father named them the Rejoicing Texts.'
1: "'Oh!'
0: "'There was an odd look on the minister's face. "'His eyes had fallen to the words on the top paper in his hands. "'But woe unto you,
1: scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites!' "'And so your father liked those Rejoicing Texts,' he murmured.
0: "'Oh, yes!' "'nodded Pollyanna emphatically. "'He said he felt better right away "'that first day he thought to count him. "'He said if God took the trouble "'to tell us eight hundred times "'to be glad and rejoice, "'he must want us to do it, some. "'And Father felt ashamed "'that he hadn't done it more. "'After that, they got to be "'such a comfort to him, you know, "'when things went wrong.' "'When the ladies' aiders got to fight, I mean, when they didn't agree about something?' corrected Pollyanna hastily. "'Why, it was those texts, too,' father said, that made him think of the game. He began with me on the crutches, but he said 'twas the rejoicing texts that started him on it. "'And what game might that be?' asked the minister." about finding something and everything to be glad about, you know. As I said, he began with me on the crutches. And once more, Pollyanna told her story, this time to a man who listened with tender eyes and understanding ears. A little later, Pollyanna and the minister descended the hill hand in hand. Pollyanna's face was radiant. Pollyanna loved to talk and she had been talking now for some time. There seemed to be so many, many things about the game, her father, and the old home life that the minister wanted to know. At the foot of the hill, their ways parted, and Pollyanna down one road and the minister down another walked on alone. In the Reverend Paul Foyd's study that evening, the minister sat thinking. Near him on the desk lay a few loose sheets of paper, his sermon notes. Under the suspended pencil in his fingers lay other sheets of paper, blank, his sermon to be. But the minister was not thinking either of what he had written or of what he intended to write. In his imagination he was far away in a little western town with a missionary minister who was poor, sick worried and almost alone in the world, but who was poring over the Bible to find how many times his Lord and Master had told him to rejoice and be glad. After a time, with a long sigh, the Reverend Paul Ford roused himself, came back from the far western town
1: and adjusted the sheets of paper under his hand. Matthew 23rd Thirteen through fourteen and twenty-three, he wrote. Then, with a gesture of impatience,
0: he dropped his pencil and pulled toward him a magazine left on the desk by his wife a few minutes before. Listlessly, his tired eyes turned from paragraph to paragraph until these words arrested him. A father one day said to his son, Tom, who he knew had refused to fill his mother's wood box that morning, Tom, I'm sure you'll be glad to go and bring in some wood for your mother. And without a word, Tom went. Why? Just because his father showed so plainly that he expected him to do the right thing. Suppose he had said, Tom, I overheard what you said to your mother this morning, and I'm ashamed of you. Go at once and fill that wood box. I'll warrant that wood box would be empty yet, so far as Tom was concerned. On and on read the minister. A word here, a line there, a paragraph somewhere else. What men and women need is encouragement. Their natural resisting powers should be strengthened, not weakened. Instead of always harping on a man's faults, tell him of his virtues. Try to pull him out of his rut of bad habits. Hold up to him his better self, his real self that can dare and do and win out. The influence of a beautiful, helpful, hopeful character is contagious and may revolutionize a whole town. People radiate what is in their minds and in their hearts. If a man feels kindly and obliging, his neighbors will feel that way too before long. But if he scolds and scowls and criticizes, his neighbors will return scowl for scowl and add interest. When you look for the bad, expecting it, you will get it. When you know you will find the good, you will get that. Tell your son Tom you know he'll be glad to fill that wood box. Then watch him start, alert and interested. The minister dropped the paper and lifted his chin. In a moment he was on his feet, tramping the narrow room back and forth, back and forth. Later, some time later, he drew a long breath and dropped himself in the chair
1: at his desk god helping me i'll do it he cried softly i'll tell all my toms i know they'll be glad to fill that wood box i'll give them work to do and i'll make them so full of the very joy of doing it that they won't have time to look at their neighbors' wood boxes and he picked up his sermon notes
0: Tore straight through the sheets and cast them from him, so that on one side of his chair lay, But woe unto you, and on the other, Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, while across the smooth white paper before him his pencil fairly flew, after first drawing one black line through Matthew 23rd, 13 through 14, and 23. Thus it happened that the Reverend Paul Ford's sermon the next Sunday was a veritable bugle call to the best that was in every man and woman and child that heard it, and its text was one of Pollyanna's shining eight hundred.
1: Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice ye righteous, and shout for joy all ye that are upright in heart of Chapter
0: twenty
1: two